Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, human capital lesson number one from the pandemic. You talk about barriers to entry, but the barrier to exit yeah. went way down. A reality check for your agency's IT operation. You always start with the mission space. Mm-hmm. IT is an enabler of the delivery of mission. We are not the tail that wags the dog. Right. We are the enabler. And the definition of success to the federal CIO is seamless. Seamless means we need to get out of those silos of excellence and work as a team across government. It's Monday, November 8th, 2021. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. The Daily Scoop podcast is on site at Imagination 2021, the Executive Leadership Conference hosted by ACT IAC in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Today and tomorrow, you'll hear from some of the government and industry leaders that are here, and you'll hear about the trends that are coming out of this conference and coming back to agencies. The CIO Council is leading a pilot program to study cross-collaboration tools. Billy Mitchell's writing about it at fedscoop.com. New developments coming out of this conference. Billy, what have you learned? Maria wrote the deputy federal CIO shared that these cross-government collaboration tools, which uh, she's been sort of championing that effort in the federal CIO council here for a couple months, but she uh, let us know that there's a new PMO project management office that is sort of leading the policy, the cyber, sort of making sure that uh, this effort's getting the support it needs across government so that, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic still and, you know, as, as agencies have these tools within their own agencies, they obviously want to share with people at other agencies as well. So there's a lot of compliance hurdles and policy issues that go along with that. So that's what that PMO is doing, sort of supporting that effort so that, uh, you know, these these agencies that are in the pilot, like the Department of Education or NSF, as they want to share with any agency across government, they they have uh, what they need to do that. Do we know yet about what the finished product will look like and what it will consist of, or is that what part of the is that the point of the yes, pilot project? Yes, that's part of the pilot. So they started small. They, it, this is most, mostly based on Microsoft Teams because that's probably the most common tool out there, um, especially in, in the Department of Defense and a lot of different agencies. So a lot of agencies already have that, but they're looking to add other things like Google. Um, and, and really what they want to start with is a chat function mm-hmm. and calendar sharing. It sounds like really basic stuff that, you know, you go to a new company and you're able to share with somebody across the country. You don't have that option in the federal government. So um, they're starting small, but hopefully it's going to be omni-channel. They can really have any of the collaboration tools. It's not really uh, beholden to one, but um, if if there's a collaboration tool out there, uh, it'll be part of it. They walk before they can run, I suppose. Billy Mitchell, thanks very much. Thank you. You can read more about the new program management office and more of today's news at fedscoop.com. Today's the last day for federal employees to have their vaccine regimen finished to make the final deadline for those vaccines to take effect. The Biden administration says all federal employees have to be two weeks out from their last vaccines, November 22nd. Agencies are starting to look at how to bring those vaccinated employees back to the office. Dave Wintergren is the chief executive officer of ACT-IAC, the hosts of ELC 2021. He's former assistant deputy chief management officer of the Department of Defense. Dave says the conference's hybrid model is a microcosm of what's coming for federal agencies. The world has changed. We showed ourselves over the last 20 months that we could do things virtually, that you could be connected from anywhere and deliver content and get people engaged. It is true that something does get lost if all you ever do is 
virtual connections because there's something about the bumping into people in the hallway, the building of relationships that builds trust, that creates better government outcomes. So the art, I think, is finding the way to do both things. And I think that the ham-handed way of doing that is to say we were completely virtual for a year and a half, and so now we're going to go back to work on Tuesdays because, you know, why? I mean, that just, you know, that's just completely arbitrary and capricious. And so the art about meeting people where they are, I think, is the, is the lesson learned for all of us. That, for example, we've done a lot of work in the last year or two to expand our reach nationally as part of our strategic plan in ACT-IAC. And so we've created, like, centers of energy out in Colorado in the technology corridor and in the Texas technology corridor. Those folks are a great set of gr- groups to be able to get engaged. They might not have traveled all the way to Hershey to come to ELC, but they cannot miss out a beat by being a participant virtually. Mm-hmm. Folks who have health issues and are still concerned about being out in public or work for those government agencies that still aren't allowed to travel, right, they could still participate. So you don't have to miss anything, but you do have to think about, you know, it is, it is harder work to try to deliver content through two streams. It's a little more, more expensive and it's a little bit more complicated because you do want to create a virtual experience that's good mm-hmm. and an in-person experience that's good. And so that virtual people don't get a chance to do quite as much of that in-person mingling. So we've tried to create a lot of tools around how could they virtually mingle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change one word in a statement that you made. You use the term meeting people where they are. What if we change that to managing people where they are? How does that, in your view, change the way that someone should think about doing her job moving forward? If I've got 20 or 200 or 2,000 or 20,000 people that I'm leading, how do I, in that scope, manage people where they are, meet people where they are, Dave? Yeah, I like that. Manage people where they are, lead people where they are, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, that's a key lesson learned here. You know, I think go before the pandemic, we really had a mixed bag, particularly in the federal government, of agencies who were very forward-leaning around telework and things like that, and agencies that were being drugged to the table about simple things like telework in one day every two weeks and stuff, you know? And I think there was an organizational culture about we cared more about uh, where your butt was at than where your head was at, right? Which is sort of missing the point. I mean, and so I think if there's anything that we can take away from what happened was we were, number one, able to convert really quickly to virtual technologies. Government agencies, particularly those who had gone down the road of IT modernization a little bit, were able to adapt quickly and get really good results. So why wouldn't you take advantage of that now? The single most important job for an effective leader is people. And so how better to keep in contact with people if you have all the advantage of not only we could get together in the office, but I could be connected with you virtually. And so I think you're right. I think, it, you know, if we look at it as, oh, my gosh, I got a dis- more dispersed workforce and it's going to, like, drive me crazy. But you should think about how these tools actually make it a little bit easier to do both, I'll say, synchronous connection and asynchronous connection. Does that concept work as well in a tighter environment like the Defense Department? as it does in an organization that is not as locked down, not as tightly wound as the DOD? It it is more challenging, for sure, particularly people that are in highly classified environments. But there are tools and technologies that do help us do that. I mean, you know, granted, even if you can find a way to be connected in a highly classified way, you still have to think about where you are and what you're saying and who else might hear. So, I mean, there there are other wrinkles to think about. But, But I think it's applicable across, you know, the vast majority of the sort of government industry continuum that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest lesson that somebody's going to learn, sometimes drug to the table, as you talked about a moment ago with some agencies that were behind the curve on remote work, telework? What do you think the biggest lesson is that somebody can learn moving forward about how to make and curate and maintain that hybrid environment where you're going to have some people who maybe don't 
come in at all anymore. Come in once a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you have some people who are probably going to want to go back to being there every day. I think it gets to that idea about the customer experience, particularly mm-hmm. the employee experience, and how do you make sure that you can consume information, get to the data however you need to, like in the moment in an on-person conversation. It's like, it's like here at the conference, you know, we have a virtual audience and an in-person audience, but we're recording all of the content, so anybody could come back and find stuff after the fact. And I think you have to sort of be prepared for both of those avenues, right? How can you be connected now with somebody? How can you be connected later with somebody? I mean, there's just no reason not to you know, I th- to me, the most important thing to take away from this is this issue of relevancy. That the dramatic change that we went through in the last year and a half made some places a lot less relevant because mm-hmm. they weren't able to shift to continue to work in a different kind of world. And so, you know, if anything, there should be a motivation. You know, how relevant will you be in the future? Because if you become irrelevant, you get left behind. You got a business. You no longer become the place to work. There's all sorts of bad outcomes that can come of that. And so, taking great advantage of these new technologies that allow you to be connected virtually and in person, mm-hmm. I think, is a key to being relevant. So, what we're learning, I get think, to that end from this great resignation that we keep seeing people referring to is people are leaving organizations that the organization didn't think was that bad, yeah. and the employees have decided it wasn't so great after all. What's the lesson to take away? broadly for the federal government as an enterprise and on an individual basis about the organization that I as a manager or leader in the government am running. Yeah, I think I think that what we've seen is the the barriers to you were talking about barriers to entry, mm-hmm. but the barrier to exit yeah. went way down. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, what are you doing to attract and retain the workforce of the future? Now, it does look different. You know, careers are much more fungible, and a typical person that comes into government service may not just stay for 30 years, but that to welcome them in, to make it a meaningful and relevant experience, to allow them to go out, to gain more experience someplace else, and to want to think about coming back rather than going, that's the only time I'm ever doing that, is, is I think the lesson that we've got to really stay laser-like focused on. Dave Wintergren of act You can read more about the next normal for agencies in today's show notes at the Daily Scoop podcast.com. The next big event I'm attending is Palo Alto Networks' Public Sector Ignite Virtual Conference. Leading government cyber experts like the director of CISA, Jen Easterly, will join me there, and I hope you will too. It's happening Thursday, November 18th. You'll learn about key cybersecurity issues impacting agencies like zero trust, endpoint detection and response, and a lot more. You can see the agenda and sign up now at ignite.paloaltonetworks.com. My colleague Billy Mitchell told you earlier in the program about the collaboration pilot the CIO Council's running. That pilot will help the Council understand what exactly it should ask industry to put together. Margie Graves is Senior Fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. She's former Deputy Chief Information Officer of the United States, and she says there's no reason for every agency to build or buy its own platform. Well, I really believe that there's an opportunity here for a shared service uh, to be provided government-wide and bought by the drink, uh, by the individual agencies, so that some of these platforms that are very available and ubiquitous in the marketplace and have proven track records on on working uh, in commercial sector can actually be procured for the federal government on behalf of the agency population. And... We saw it work very well today when I was in this uh, panel the very beginning of the day. Uh, two people on screen, two people in the audience, questions virtually and questions in the room. 
everybody could see uh, each panelist because two were on the screen. And ultimately, it, it was very interactive. And that's the key word that we need to focus on is the interactive aspect of this mm-hmm. um, because you do have to thoughtfully plan and execute uh, as a, a mission owner, as a, as a uh, person who would actually have a meeting in this kind of capacity. You have to understand how to be inclusive of all of the people, whether they're either online or in the room. You can't have two factions talking to each other and never the twain shall meet. Mm-hmm. So it has to be thoughtfully orchestrated and planned, but that's not something that's impossible to do. We've seen it happening. So people who are saying that this is a bridge too far, I would beg to differ. Uh, it is working. Um, I in the Just in the last two weeks, I attended an all-in-person uh, brainstorming meeting for fall planning. I attended another fall planning meeting where it was hybrid, Mm -hmm. and we just included the people uh, online in terms of of being able to uh, have an extra person in the room that was putting their sticky notes on the board, and they could hear everything that was being said. And then I've done it all virtually with Mural and other tools that are available to us. All three worked. Mm -hmm. What does that structurally look like, a shared service that would provide that all-you-need, all-you-can-eat environment? Is that, from an acquisition perspective, is that something that exists already, or is it something that somebody, GSA or somebody else, would need to build? Uh, Actually, Maria Rote was talking uh, this morning about uh, trying to develop those types of collaboration spaces, and that is one of her major goals and her uh, her mantra. Yeah. Uh, working with the CIO Council, uh, which has championed this as one of their focal points going forward because it's something that everybody needs. Mm-hmm. Why would we do it individually? Right. Um, so they are working on that. I would assume, and uh, Dan Pomeroy also was in that panel from GSA, mm-hmm. uh, who works on uh, at the Office of Government, Government-Wide Policy. Yeah. So he would be the person that's supporting that kind of an effort if we were to do any kind of an acquisition or procurement. So they were talking about it together in the room today. Mm-hmm. There have already been some pilots run, and uh, I would say stay tuned because they're on it. Yeah. And it's going to happen. What have we learned in your view over the last 18 months that would apply to what needs to be in that kind of suite of services for an agency to be able to use? Well, I think we're talking about, um, obviously, the kinds of platforms that we use for these kinds of conferences Mm -hmm. and the ability to have scope and scale that would be supportive of whatever size you would need uh, to pursue in terms of the uh, participation. It's also a lesson learned for how we would eventually participate uh, with citizens Mm -hmm. on these same kinds of platforms, uh, because... Here today, we have 535 people uh, and another 100 or so online. So that's going to uh, be illustrative of, of what can transpire. Um, how, you, how you break people out into discussion groups, how you bring them back together into the plenary, how you uh, pull the threads and, and, and drive the conversations so that they are uh, appropriately captured and then made actionable. 
uh, when you exit some of these conversations because our collaboration, the very definition of collaboration is to be able to have everyone inclusive in the conversation and then to be able to take action and produce something that is based on what you learned and what you uh, defined within that collaboration space. So to me, those tools are available today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've seen them. I use them in the commercial space, um, and they are available that's probably the most encouraging thing about this whole thing. If I'm somebody who's in government thinking about what this looks like moving forward, the stuff that I need mm-hmm. to really enable my workforce to continue to be successful already exists. I don't have to sit there and wait for somebody to develop it for a month or two months or six months. I can. It's just a matter of knowing the mechanisms to be able to go out and put this whole package of stuff together, which is why this shared service idea seems to make a lot of sense to me. Exactly. It, it could be software as a service, very, very easily done, easily procured. Um, my expectation is that that's all going to happen. So to your, your point about Dan Pomeroy's question about why we would do it individually, that hasn't stopped us before, unfortunately. True. And so it's encouraging then also to know that we're thinking forward enough as an enterprise, as a government, that we're not going to get into that situation again, hopefully. Yeah. Anybody who knows me knows I'm an enterprise gal. So I, I think uh, I think that's the only way to do this particular uh, kind of suite of tools um, and have them available. Uh, my expectation is, since this is being driven by the CIO Council, uh, that not only will they drive those original requirements, but as they notice things that they feel are missing yeah. or needs to be added to the suite – not only will they uh, engage with vendors and with the uh, industry community on how uh, to procure what they already have, but they will also be informing the roadmaps of those industry vendors as to what should be included in those collaboration suites going forward. And who else should they engage inside their own organizations to yeah. make sure that that those requirements include everything that they should. Who of their colleagues are the most important ones, do you think, for them to be collaborating with? Well, I think that uh, you you have to start with the mission space, of yeah. course. You always start with the mission space. Mm-hmm. IT is an enabler of the delivery of mission. We are not the tail that wags the dog. Right. We are the enabler. So uh, you start with what they do on a daily basis. And, of course, a, some missions don't lend themselves to that at all. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about um, uh, some of the strategic planning and some of the activities that lend themselves to using these kinds of platforms, then very definitely uh, we should be listening to the program offices. We should be listening to the delivery teams. We should be listening to our senior leadership as to what their decision-making methodology is and how we can appropriately support that. So anything that you would normally uh, feed into the decision-making process, whether it's data, whether it's a conversation, whether it's a roundtable, whether it's a brainstorming session, any of those types of of approaches that you use to actually arrive at a conclusion mm-hmm. uh, that informs a leadership approach to how they're going to address the mission, then that to me is the most valuable thing you can do for them is to allow them to do this in our world the way 
that it functions today. You can read more about the pilot program for collaboration tools in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. Coming on Tuesday's show, more from the Executive Leadership Conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I'm hosting a conversation with four federal CIOs at the conference tomorrow morning. You'll hear highlights of that conversation on Tuesday's Daily Scoop podcast. It debuts Tuesday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. The federal chief information officers calling for collaboration between government and industry to improve customer experience the government provides to citizens. Claire Bartarana is the CIO of the United States. She keynoted the morning session at the Executive Leadership Conference in Hershey today, right before the administrator of the General Services Administration, Robin Carnahan. Martirana says collaboration across what she calls silos of excellence will drive success. I see amazing things happening in agencies, but oftentimes they happen in silos. So we need to work in partnership with our private sector partners, and you are crucial to supporting us on this journey. It will also require us to put our customers, the citizens, the American public, at the center of every single thing that we do. Um, so that we can deliver the benefits service um, and deliver it in an exceptional and extraordinary way. So how do we achieve this simple, seamless, and secure customer experience? It begins by simplifying the process our uh, citizens have when interacting with the government. So to me, simple means we're kind to our customers. We know who they are through intuitive authentication because we design our services with them, not for them. The biggest mistakes I've made in business have been thinking I knew what my customers wanted, spending millions of dollars designing something, and having it fall flat because I didn't design it with my customers. We need to meet them where they are in an omni-channel experience, whether that is in person, on the phone, online. We need to accommodate each user's needs and preferences and deliver the highest accessibility standards. We need to deliver benefit, service, and information they're seeking, plain and simple, and give them that exceptional customer experience that's on par with their favorite consumer brands. We will get there by designing, as I said, with our users. Um, We need to partner with our agency colleagues to understand their business challenges how their dollars are appropriated, what their business needs are. We need to work with our customers to understand their needs, whether the customer is an internal federal employee or an external customer using our service. And we need to run an iterative process that incorporates user research, strategic and technical road mapping, cloud security, API architecture, data ownership, agile development, continuous improvement, continuous integration, all of those things you all do every day and think about. And simple means we also need to tell our stories. We need to tell our stories about how we are successfully doing this in lots of places across government, helping millions of citizens. And we can do this right now using the technology we already have. I've seen it work at the VA. We had mainframe old legacy systems, but we still built great APIs to deliver extraordinary services uh, to our veterans. And we need to find and empower great people. 
technologists, procurement, acquisition, financial, and privacy colleagues. We need to bring them all together so that we're designing and launching products and sharing playbooks um, so others don't have to start from that blank piece of paper, which can be incredibly intimidating. Seamless means we need to get out of those silos of excellence and work as a team across government. Think about it. The government interacts with millions of people every single day. We need to put ourselves in our customer's shoes. And in fact, I'd actually like to challenge all of you for something that I do. Um, Undercover Boss, if you've ever seen that show, it's kind of fun. People put on funny wigs. Um, but what's important about that is be your customer. Try to obtain the benefit or service that, or information, just simple information, that your agency or company provides to the American people. Spend a few hours at a call center. If you ever double jack with call center agents, it'll break your heart. It'll make you so angry, it'll make you want to do something. So take the time, if you're delivering these services to the American people, really get involved in the services. Um, ask yourself the basic questions. Is it simple? Is it intuitive? Did it make sense? Did I start on a search engine with something I thought was really easy and land on some website that I don't understand what they're talking about? Um, were you left satisfied or were you left frustrated with that experience? And then what are you going to do about it? How are you going to work with your agency partners um, to uh, help remediate those issues? And when we focus on those moments that matter for our citizens, like renewing a passport, applying for disaster relief, checking on the status of a tax return, we hold up that mirror to ourselves to see what works well and see what doesn't work well. It's our job to figure that out as technology executives. So sharing playbooks, lessons learned across our agencies um, really helps us come together as a federal team united in serving our customers. So seamless also means that customers should never see what's under the hood, right? Things should work. Right now, technology completely is the engine that runs our government, but our customers are getting a really scary look under the hood. They are navigating a tangled web, sometimes in person, scanning for phone numbers, going to multiple websites, sometimes looking at government org charts to figure out how to get the service that they need. Um, but by orienting ourselves around the customer journey, um, and making sure that we are connecting our systems, our processes, and our policies um, to make sure that we are delivering um, and giving them a satisfying experience. Secure means that we launch products that are secure by design, full stop. Cyber isn't somebody else's job, it's every single one of our jobs. And if you're running part of a business, you have to know what your challenges are and what the opportunities are for you to mitigate risk. To achieve resiliency across the federal government, it will take every single department in, in the agency to be aligned to a cybersecurity and IT modernization plan. The President's Cyber Executive Order and our Zero Trust Strategy that we just had out for public comment will really direct us on this path, and it will enable us to become a much stronger federal enterprise. 
through the leadership of uh, Director Chris Inglis, uh, the National Cyber Director, a new role, um, and Chris DeRussia, our federal, C our federal CISO, and newly named National Deputy Director for Federal, our operations and cyber policy, our action and our doctrine will be consistent across government. The Office of the Federal CIO, and several of my colleagues are here in the audience, um, really partner both with the National Cyber Director, with CISA, and the National Security Council. I value these strong relationships, and we are working together to improve the cyber posture across government. Secure also means we protect the data that's entrusted to us and use it as a strategic asset to make the best decisions possible for our citizens and in the products that we develop. Everyday Americans see powerful institutions repeatedly and publicly humbled by ransomware, phishing, supply chain compromises, and more. Year after year, they're receiving notifications that a federal agency or a bank or some company uh, lost their data. Um, it's no surprise that over time, this has had an impact on people's belief in the basic competency of government and the institutions that society is asking the public to trust, um, to keep their best interests at heart. We must and we will bring our performance in line with the public's expectations. By coming together as technologists, all you folks in this room, informed by the massive amount of data that we collect in the federal government, we know we can power an outstanding customer experience for the American people. I'm a data nerd. I love data. I love data scientists. I love everything about it. Um, it's one of the things I'm most excited about, and we have a lot that will be coming in the next couple months, um, so more on this soon. The Federal Chief Information Officer, Claire Martorana, this morning at the Executive Leadership Conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania. You can find a link to watch the entire speech in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney is here in Hershey to help me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. More from ELC 2021 on Tuesday's show. Until then, I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. <laughs>